Hi there, I'm Nicolette Reed, and this is EIB Export News. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is all about auditing your own export compliance program at your company. So if you are a commercial manufacturing company engaged in exporting and international sales, then you want to pay attention to this. Uh, The good news is, even though nobody enjoys auditing, you can totally do this yourself. And I'm going to show you how by reviewing a few key elements with you so that you can go back to your company and give yourself an export compliance checkup. So stick around and I'll tell you what to look for. Whenever anybody brings up the concept of auditing any area at any company, nobody gets excited about it. And I understand why, all right? Uh, We already have day-to-day work we gotta do, and now we have to interrupt it to do an audit, and oftentimes this can create a little bit of work on top of what we're already doing, all right? But rather than viewing an audit as a headache, instead try and look at it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you guys to find a weak area or an issue at your company and correct it before it ever leads to an embarrassing violation and expensive fine. And the fines on the Commercial Export Administration Regulations, the EAR, these fines are valued at $250,000 per violation. And now I'm not suggesting that you are a sloppy company, but if you are a sloppy company with your export compliance, which if you're not doing any auditing, you kind of sort of really don't know, but if you are sloppy, these violations can keep adding up. And so you can actually have multiple violations going on involved in a single sales transaction. Okay, so it's really important to review the key elements of an export compliance program and making sure that you are meeting those minimum requirements. Okay, so everything I'm going to cover today would be a review of the elements I consider key elements of a commercial export compliance program. So if you are a company that is manufacturing and exporting commercial products, that are classified under the Export Administration regulations, then these would be the elements that should be in your existing export compliance program. Now, at the end of this, I'll tell you a few of the other elements that would matter if you were making defense products, because now defense products are not just housed by the ITAR and the USML, but there are also some defense products that are classified under the EAR and they have a special 600 series number as part of their ECCN. So what we're talking about today is if you make commercial products, these are supposed to be key elements of your existing export compliance program. All right, so the elements to a good export compliance audit consist of reviewing the following things. The first thing you want to review is the management commitment. And I'll break these down a little bit more and tell you why each one of these is important, okay? The next one you want to review would be risk assessment, followed by export authorization, record keeping, training, audits. Are you doing any audits already? Have you kept any records of those? How you handle export violations and taking corrective action towards those. And then finally, building and maintaining your export compliance manual. Do you have a written outline 
for how you stay compliant at your company. If you do, get guess what? That gets called your export compliance program manual, okay? A lot of people call it their ECP manual, all right? And so now we're going to talk about the different elements and why they what they consist of, why they're important. Uh, there's a few other elements that matter if you're making defense products, but we'll talk about what those ones are at the end. So uh, a good one here is the corporate commitment, okay? And that gets reviewed by looking at what is the corporate commitment policy like, okay? Is there a written policy? Is there a memo of a policy somewhere about export compliance? that the CEO or other head officer of the company has signed off of. Uh, guess what? That's supposed to be page one of your export compliance program manual. And then not only that, but that memo or that statement from corporate is supposed to get reissued annually as a friendly reminder to everybody on the team that, hey, folks, guess what? Not only is export compliance a thing that we're required to do, but we're committed to it here at our company. Another important factor there is who's on the team. Do you have an export control panel or an export control team or group as some people call them? Okay, and who is on your team? These are the following folks we like to see on the team, all right? A CEO or a general manager, an export compliance officer, sometimes that's a traffic manager or a traffic officer, a technology control officer, somebody who manages the access to the actual tech you make and the info about the tech you make, a contract or order administrator for international orders, a shipping or traffic manager, somebody involved in international sales, and sometimes we like to have a representative from human resources there as well, uh, but not always necessary, dependent on the size and structure of your company. Other things that you should have already in place that would be elements that would be outlined in your compliance program would be, do you have a policy and a procedure to report and rectify a compliance issue if you discover one? And who do you go to on your team for that? All right, do you have an internal system and an external system for that if it has risen to the level where you need to get somebody external involved? Uh, other things are, have you ever applied for licenses? to ship your products internationally. Uh, most commercial products do require a license unless they're classified as EAR 99. Um, most ECCNs do require a license to go to many areas. So that's another important system is, you know, what is your system for determining whether or not you need a license? Have you applied for a license? And is there only one person at the company responsible for applying for licenses? And then what happens if that individual is sick and not in the office, then who applies for licenses or do they just not happen? So these are things that sometimes people don't realize they even need to have in place until they start reviewing the elements of a good export compliance program and then they realize, oh, we don't really have a plan for that, okay? Uh, other things are, have you ever had to file a voluntary disclosure or have you ever had an infraction for exporting already? Have you ever had a license returned without action? Does your export compliance team meet regularly to talk about international sales and compliance related matters? Do they have the BIS website bookmarked so that they can get there if they have a question? Or export.gov is another helpful site to have bookmarked. Uh, other important pieces here are, do you have a screening policy and procedure for your customers, 
your visitors, your carriers, or your countries, some type of screening system in place to see, okay, is this area or is this individual even eligible to receive my American product? Okay, so this is when things like the country it's going to come to play, the party, the end use, the end user, what the product actually is, what the product is classified as for an ECCN, uh, and is there some other type of thing that this part could potentially be used for or this product or component that you make, okay? Does it have a secondary missile application or nuclear application? Because those things are really going to matter in terms of licensing procedure, okay? Speaking of procedures, what is your record keeping procedure? How long are you keeping your records for? Do you know which export related records are critical to beekeeping? Training is also a key element. You know, if nobody's receiving training, then, you know, people don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they're supposed to have in place. They don't know what their responsibilities are. So are you making sure that you are allowing for time and expense at your company for your key employees to stay up to date on relevant training regarding export compliance laws? You know, a lot of those laws and relationships with countries tend to change when we get a new president. You know, whoever sits at that helm, you know, our relationships change with countries a lot of times just based on the country's own global behavior, but also it can depend on who's currently in office as president. So what I tell folks is if you haven't had any training and a lot of years have gone by and suddenly there's a new president, that's a really good year to get your team retrained because that's when the broadest changes tend to happen. Another thing that I do in an audit is I ask to pull random files for random countries and I look for things like, you know, improperly filled out documentation, maybe wrong INCO terms being used there, uh, is the destination control statement on the commercial invoice, are they unwittingly going along or against rather U.S. anti-boycott regulations. A lot of times that's a concern when you are doing business in the Middle East. So there's some tricky language there that they may use in bids on a contract or a purchase order agreement or things like that. And if you copy any of that language onto your own documentation, which is very easy to miss if you haven't had training on anti-boycott regulations, if you're copying that language on your own documentation, then you are breaking U.S. anti-boycott laws, okay? So I know about certain things to look for like that with uh, Middle Eastern records that I'm pulling from shipping at random. I also know uh, what to be looking for when I'm looking at records having to do with China or certain other areas there. So there's just certain things that you want to look for, and then there are always certain items that should always be in place, like the destination control statement should always be on the commercial invoice, but sometimes people are leaving those off or they're using old ones um, or they're using INCO terms that don't even exist anymore. So those are some of the things I look for when I randomly pull documents. Another critical thing I'm looking for is, is there evidence of a denied party screening being done? Okay, denied party screening should be getting done twice, once at the point of sale to see, is this international customer even eligible to purchase this product? And then you should do it one final time at shipping before it leaves your company because that's your last time to check it in case that customer, unbeknownst to you, has done something to end up on a denied parties list. If you don't do the second screening, if you took that order on Monday, screened them on Monday, but the shipment's not leaving till Friday, if you do not have evidence of that Friday screen 
and a violation has occurred and you missed it, then it's not going to matter that you did the first screen. The government's going to say, well, you should have screened one more time before it left, okay? And it can still lead to a finer violation. And so that's not an intentional thing. A lot of times that's just a negligent thing that people are leaving off that second screen. But it really is so critical. The ECCN should always appear on the commercial invoice. You may also be listing it on other things like your picking packing list or you know other export documentation, but it is critical to have it on the export uh, commercial invoice. And uh, do you have some type of evidence that you've done your AES filing to? You should be doing your AES filing for all shipments when it's appropriate to do that. And then those are really most of the elements that I check when I'm doing a commercial you know, audit. You know, just documentation, things like that. Now, if you are a defense company, so that means you make ECCNs that have a six in the middle of them, which means they have a defense application, or you are making an ITAR item, which has a Roman numeral category associated with it because it was listed on the USML, or if your product was a commercial product, but it has been specially designed either because it was requested in some type of defense contract from a prime level partner like a Raytheon or Boeing or Electric Boat or Fleur or something like that, or it might be specially designed because it was requested directly from the Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marines. If you have a commercial product and you specially design it for military application, then you have to walk through the specially designed catch and release scenario to determine if your item's now going to be considered defense or not. So those are the three areas where you could fall into defense. You make an ITAR item, it's got a Roman rule category associated with it, or you make a 600 series item that's for defense, or you specially designed your commercial product for military application or defense application, and specially designed was not able to release you. Then you are considered a defense company. And so in addition to already having all of these existing commercial export compliance elements that you would be auditing, there are a few other areas you would want to also audit at your company. And they're mostly having to do with physical access to your building, uh, the ability or the ability to access your technology or tunnel into your computers and access any tech data, you would have to have stricter measures in place to keep those things secure. Um, and you'd also have to have foreign national access controls in place, uh, foreign national visitor policies in place, and uh, additional badging systems and things like that for foreign nationals. So a lot of the ITAR elements or the uh, defense trade control elements employ all of the same elements as a commercial program, but then additional modules having to do with foreign national access, physical access, etc., just to make sure that those defense products are really being kept out of the wrong hands, and also that the digital information about those defense products are being kept secure as well. So that's really it, folks, to doing a good audit on your export compliance company, a good self-audit anyway. And you're always welcome to reach out to an external company to come in and audit you. Uh, auditing is something that we can do at Evolutions in Business or EIB. Other things we can help you out with is that if you don't have a comprehensive export compliance program, uh, we can come in there and we can train your team members and get them up to speed on the regulations. And we can also help you build an export compliance program at your company that works for you guys. 
and caters to your specific company needs. And we can also help you create that manual that you need that has all the elements in black and white writing so that folks can review it to ensure they're staying compliant at their company. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you all learned something and I hope that you join me next time. My name is Nicolette and I was your host. I look forward to seeing you every other week. Until then, remember, export compliance, it's the law. We make it simple.